first thing that happens is the world goes black. You just hear a little snap when your neck rolls back. You don't bite your tongue off or foam at the lips. And before you hit the ground, there's a moment of bliss. It's like token a spliff. It's like shedding your skin. It's better than the best train wreck there's ever been. You have to let it in, as much as it's upsetting. To wake up with bruises you don't remember getting. You don't remember how the hell you ended up indoors. You don't Welcome to Seizure Salad, Fuster Clock Epilepticus, with test subject Micah B. The salty, slightly cynical account of Micah's shocking diagnosis with epilepsy. The synaptic jolts that shorts circuited his world and efforts to rewire his mind and create a new life. Oh, and he's going to have brain surgery. And now, Seizure Salad with your host and electrostatic meat sack, Micah B-Side. Welcome to Seizure Salad, Fuster Cluck Epilepticus. I'm your host, Micah B-Side, and I'm with Mitch Kiger today as we continue our conversation about shifting perspectives on epilepsy and seizures in general. So sit back, relax, and enjoy because the only way to go home is just to it's nothingness it's however far you can get to actual nothing and then you just feel at peace and um after the kind of stretch that i've taken then it kind of turned to where it felt like there was a funnel right underneath me and something was just gathering me all up and then it just went foam and it was just like this feeling if anyone's ever woken up in like multiple dreams before you actually wake up and you know you get to a spot, you're doing things and it seems normal, but then you have this weird thought of like, oh, this isn't it. And you're like, Oof. and you wake up somewhere else and you're like, oh, this is not it either. And then finally, after however many of these, I woke up on the kitchen floor where I originally was and you could feel like the weight and just how hard everything was and you're like this is it this is the basement of wherever i'm trying to go <laughs> this is as far and as real as you can go and as you can get and i like just had that thought i like turned around and you know my uh, mentor's wife was above me everyone was in the room meditating and i was like okay i'm here she's like you're okay i'm like yeah apparently you know i'm just lounging on your kitchen floor you know hanging out <laughs> And it like dawned on me, like all the memory and everything, like I still had. I'm like, what just happened? And she picked me up and I realized as I, she took me to this back room to where like all my meditation and Qigong started, you know, from my first day I was in that room. So it's like a special place. I remember just sitting down and she went back in the kitchen and I was like, I can't think anything. Like not in a bad way, but like I could only just like look at something and be like, yep that's that's what that is <laughs> and that's as far as I, I couldn't be like you know this is a coffee cup i could just hold it and be like yep <laughs> and i same like internal thoughts i couldn't i wasn't afraid i wasn't anything and that nothingness like stuck with me like coming back i just felt at peace and i remember every single detail about that night even from like how the raindrops looked on the windshield on the way home you know just like the the smallest things and after that night you know that was the only seizure i've ever had that was quite like that every other one after that you know and a week later i started to like really experience them all the other ones were different because I started to know and understand that like, okay, this can't just happen all the time. 
you know, like, I'm in a meeting. I can't have this happen. You know, I had that kind of thought <laughs> or like running home, like, no. And I tried to fight it. And it was when I was fighting it to where it got really bad. And I was waking up, you know, from firefighters and like the whole, you know, the whole nine of just waking up in random places and not knowing who I was and not really knowing where I was and not having that like solidifying nothing peaceness that came back with me every time. And it was just like this weird moment to where a lot of people who have been in the meditation, you know, arena and everything talk about it too, of like, you have this grand experience and then all of a sudden your entire existence is about like getting back to that experience, you know, like training and practicing. You know, like I'm always trying to get back to that feeling. And I learned halfway through that's like that can be the goal, but I don't think that's where the juice is. I don't think that's where the gold is. Yeah, I can be in a peaceful place, but my kind of sense went is like, can I be in a peaceful place in the most dangerous places? and feel the reality of it and almost turn it as I'm there. You know, it's just like this deep question of like, how do the magnetics of a human energy work with the rest of humans and or also land masses? Because a lot of like we were talking about the indigenous cultures, you know, that is a lot of their work. You know, you till the land spiritually before you till the land physically. You know, you get that land ready and you give it so much because it's going to give to you. And so it's not just this like, oh, I'm just going to take from this because that's what I'm supposed to do. And I live here, you know, this is my land kind of thing. It's like, no, you're only here for like a teeny amount of time. You know, this is not your land. Like, this is just some place that we all ended up and we started naming stuff. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, And when you realize and have an experience with that again, just as you would an animal, just as you would even like plants in your house, like you're, you're sitting on a giant living thing, you know, like it's not weird to have a relationship with that in whatever way you want. And in the indigenous cultures, that was almost a requirement mm -hmm. because you can't live if you don't have a relationship with it. Right. You know, right. They didn't have these, you know, Amazon that can just bring me whatever kind of food I like from Publix or from a grocery store. You know, you have to go out there and put it in to be able to get it out. And um, that's where the Hawaiian came from. Yeah. And the Hawaiians were really brilliant at it because, you know, with um, with all of their beginning kind of plants, they had grew everything in water. So they didn't have to weed. They didn't have to like, you know, do the hard stuff in the midday. They're out like having fun in the ocean. They're having a good time. You know, they're, they're being with one another. They're teaching one another why the food grows. And um, to be able to like learn that of like making things easier for yourself while still being sustainable and maintainable. And it's just like the intelligent way of cultivation. And um, going back and learning these things and being able to experience like, you know, a real luau at our house and at home with, you know, um, you know, with Uncle Uncle Phil we used to call him out there. He was the kahu or basically he looked over the land and looked over like the younger people that are trying to, 
you know, trying to make it in this world and kind of thing, but make it in a natural world instead of like the world as we know it. And so he taught us how to, you know, he taught me how to fire spin, how to build my own fire knife that I have or, and uh, just like amazing stuff that I've been invited in to learn a lot of things that a lot of people don't get to experience. And for some reason that was a childhood dream of mine too. Like I always wanted to do that and um, learning different ways that they all have a similarity from down in Tulum in Mexico to, you know, how the Mayans used to do things to, the Hawaiians and the Maoris and into the Navajo and tribes over here. And like, they all have this similar of like, you have to build relationships with the things that you're going to be intertwined with. This is to my sick kids. Time to flip this shit. Depakote, Adderall, Ritalin, Pixie Sticks. I don't give a fuck what you're riding to the setting sun. Use it as a weapon when it's said and done. Seizure Salad, Foster Cluck Epilepticus is produced and hosted by Michael Ball. The song Seizure Boy, courtesy of Watsky and used with permission. Find more great music and poetry on his website, georgewatsky.com. Original logo painting by Brent Olson of Olson Studios. High-resolution MRI image of Micah's brain provided by the Rockstar Lab Techs at UC Health Neurology in Denver. Follow our podcast, like our Facebook page, whatever floats your boat, just keep listening. And join us again soon for another episode of Seizure Salad. Until then, unexpect the expected and remember that it's all in your head. You ever had a grand mal seizure in gym class? That whiplash back when life was dishing out pimp slaps? Fed up and we've all been better, but I'm set to step up. Never let up, cause the fall is just a setup. Now to get up. Regret will never get the better of me with the sawed off. When I'm having trouble talking, someone knocks my writer's block off. And if my eyes glaze and my knees drift south, and you ever think to stick a credit card in my mouth, I take MasterCard and Visa for my risk rewards. I'm not biting my tongue, why don't you bite yours? It's all too much.